Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What. Today we've got Michael Flores on and he is a science communicator. Hi, Michael. Hey guys, really excited to be on here with you. I like what you guys are doing, so I'm excited to be able to talk with everybody. Thank you. I mean, start off, you've got a very, very cool job. Um, a science communicator at NASA. Should we jump straight in and do you want to tell everyone a bit about what you do? Yeah, so my job, my official title is I'm a public uh, affairs specialist. So that varies quite a bit. So my day-to-day is a little all over the place. So I can be, I'll give you a rundown of say um, the last two weeks. So day one, I can be sitting there in meetings, talking about upcoming missions, talking about launches, talking about commercial crew. Uh, the next day, I can be doing a press conference. I have one this Thursday where we're going to be sitting down with Crew 4 um, that can be launching pretty soon up to the ISS. Uh, the day after that, I could be hosting um, at our local space center. We have a Netflix movie uh, screening. I'll be over there hosting that. Uh, the day after that, we may have a panel of astronauts, and I'll be working with the office there to help coordinate that to be out there at the event. And the day after that, I could be writing a speech for the director's office or writing a web feature. So it, it's a little off the place. I really like it. It's a it's a hodgepodge, a mixture of everything that goes on here. When you work in this kind of area, you've got to be ready to do a little of everything. I mean, I've helped with the podcast that we run out of Houston and um, I've done video work, NASA TV, I've done social media. So it's, it's a little bit of everything there. Anything to do with science and anything to do where people are going to hear about it, I have a hand in. I mean, it's unbelievably cool. Um, you know, I, I'm a bit of a science geek. Jules, I know you're a science geek as well. Um, and working at NASA, it just you have to pinch yourself sometimes that you're you're there and you're actually working with astronauts. It's it's a little surreal. I'll be honest with you. Like we've done, I've done remote work for quite a bit. But anytime we go on center, driving through those gates, every single time, like no matter what, I get a little smile on my face. And then I pass by like these decommissioned rockets and these engines out there. And coming up from a kid that loved just to stare at the stars kind of thing, and then actually being on center and going through and working alongside, no longer just staring at these people, but working alongside these people, it's it's a little surreal every single day. So how did you get into this? Did you want to work at NASA? Did that come first or did sort of like communication side and then you were able to get into NASA? You know, I, I had the same viewpoint that a lot of people have when they think of NASA. Um, when I was very young, I thought of NASA as only the, you know, the engineers, the scientists, your astronomers, your astronauts, uh, the people building stuff. That's what people think of when they think of NASA. And while that is a huge portion of it, um, the communications aspect of it is just as massive. You know, you deal with a lot of different things every single day. And when you look at these large corporations, you don't think of the fact that we have full-fledged uh, TV studios on site. Like we, we have uh, communications, we, we build out everything like that. So when I was looking at this, I love the idea of working for NASA, but I never really thought it was something I could do. Um, when I was in college, when I went to college the first time, I went in there, I took a few astronomy classes and I was like, this is dope. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to get stars and space and everything. I was really, really excited for it. So I got in astronomy, I'm sitting down and my brain is thinking, I'm going to sit there and we're going to just talk about you know, different stars and exoplanets and our solar system and gas giants and all that jazz. And week three, I'm sitting in there and they go, all right, we're going to map the chemical makeup of a star based off the wavelength of light that we've received off of it. And then we're going to use that to figure out the local clusters, like all these different things. I'm sitting there and I'm decent at math, but it was a whole new form of math that was, it blew me away and I could do it. 
I was just so slow and it was so painful to do. And I had to double check and triple check and quadruple check myself. Um, and at that point, after I took it, I was like, you know, maybe this isn't quite the route for me. Um, so maybe this isn't, maybe this is something I could do. Um, and so I, I got into it. I kind of left that dream behind when I was, you know, 18, 19, because I was like, it just isn't for me. I can't do this kind of work. I knew engineering wasn't quite where I was, uh, you know, ideal at. But one thing I was really good at is I could talk to people. I can write. I can sit down and do these kind of things. And so I started pursuing that. I took a traditional-ish kind of route looking at journalism, looking at marketing and communications. Um, now my career path is a little wonky. It's not the traditional career path that you would go through, but roundabout way, it helped get me to NASA. Do you want me to give you kind of a rundown of <laughs> the career path I took? Yeah, 100%. I mean, did you go to university, for example? How did it all pan out? Yeah, um, th there's traditional paths for most places you go to. I mean, for NASA, a traditional path to get there is you go to an internship, you go through, you get a STEM degree, you take these internships, and you actually do a couple internships, and then you eventually walk in the door and you work there. Now that's that's the official process kind of thing. I mean, that's that's the most typical way of getting in there. But realistically for me, it wasn't a viable option. Um, so when I graduated high school, I, I graduated with an associate's degree. I was able to go through high school and take classes and I actually went right into the workforce and I worked as an industrial radiographer. Completely different than working in marketing communications. Uh, I worked as an industrial radiographer. What, what we did was we used radioactive material to do testing for oil and gas sites. So everything from uh, plants to oil rigs to fabrication shops to a bunch of different things like that. Now I worked in these places and I worked there for about a year doing that. And I'll be honest with you, the work was pretty crappy. Uh, you work long 16 hour days sometimes. You do with very dangerous areas. Now we were very safe. We had a lot of safety meetings. We did certifications. We did all this stuff to make sure we were okay. But when you're dealing with radioactive material, uh, <laughs> you know, there's only, only so much you can do to be safe. Um, and the reason I got into that, I had a family member who was doing that. He, he, you know, talked about how great it was and all this stuff like that. And I got into it and I realized, man, this, you know, this kind of sucks. Um, and I did it for a year. I did it for a year before it kind of dawned on me that I was like, you know, I can like, I'm dealing with some rough guys and trying to have a full conversation with some of them was tough, let alone uh, moving up in this world. And I realized that's not where I wanted to be. So I went back and I was working for the YMCA. YMCA here is um, a organization. It's like a gym that does family outreach and different things like that. I started working there and I moved up to a director level and it was going good there. Um, got married, did all that fun stuff. And then I realized that I wanted more. And looking out at the field, looking out in the world of marketing communications, where I knew I eventually wanted to be, I realized that I needed a four-year degree. I had a two-year degree right now. I needed that four-year degree. Um, so deciding to go back right after I got married, it was, the wife was super supportive. She was great. And I decided to go back to, uh, go back to university. So to get, pursue a four-year degree. And I got in there and I used to do photography and all these different things. So the journalism world, the marketing world was kind of up my alley. So when that happened, I actually went to a part-time position at Best Buy. And Best Buy was, is a local, uh, or it's a, it's a national, international up in Canada, some um, electronics store. You know, they build everything. They sell everything, you know, electronics and all that stuff. And I started there part-time working in the camera department while going to school full-time. Um, so pretty quickly, I started moving up within Best Buy while going to school and ended up becoming a manager there. 
And then within Best Buy, I can talk about a little bit more. I started pursuing marketing communications options within Best Buy while going to school full time, um, while managing a team of about 50 people. So come up roundabouts, I ended up graduating and moving over and I started working in the medical field and the marketing team. And I, around that time, at the end of my Best Buy career, I knew I wanted to work for NASA and I started understanding more of what they could offer. So what I did is I got on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I yes. got on LinkedIn. I, love, I mean, that's where we met through LinkedIn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I love LinkedIn. So I got on there and I went through and I friended every single person I could find that worked for NASA. <laughs> every single one of them. I, I felt so bad for some of these people. Every single one of them. I, I went to the NASA page. I went to the people section and I just started clicking connect, 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 connect. <laughs> To a point where I get that LinkedIn message where it was, you've reached your connection limit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so then I'd get on the next day and I would connect and connect and connect. And what I did is I went through and I looked at people that were doing the job I wanted to do. I found people who worked in communications and I went through and I looked at what they had done. I looked at their career path, what they, the work they've done, how they got there. I looked at the articles they've written. I looked at all this stuff. I would message people and I would message probably 20 different people and one person would respond maybe. Um, and I would go through this. And I went through this for about a year and a half, learning as much as I possibly could about the industry, about what they needed. And I knew I wouldn't be able to walk straight into the door. I, I needed to bol uh, bolster up my resume a little bit. Looking at, I mean, my resume is all over the place, kind of wonky in the middle of, working for college or going to college and working at Best Buy. I also helped a startup, start a newspaper in our local area. I would do photojournalism. I would work in concert photography. I did all anything I could, I could possibly do that I knew had to do with the world of marketing or communications. I did anything I could. Um, I would email people at Best Buy corporate and I would talk to the marketing people there and ask them anything I could do. So I was trying to really build my resume out to look like the people that were already there um, at NASA. That was my game plan. And I knew I needed an official transitional job. It's kind of what I named it. It kind of called it in my head. The transitional job for me was something that would take me from this guy that kind of has communications, marketing experience, you know, public affairs experience, someone that kind of has this uh, you know, mixture of this place to someone who is officially has this experience to someone that would officially be able to work in this space. So I looked for a transitional job and I found one that was a marketing position for a national hospital um, in Houston. So out in Houston, we, have, we had a children's hospital out here, very national, international work they did. Um, and I got on with a marketing team there. And I did some social media work, I did public affairs work, and I worked there long enough to make it feasible for me to be able to even start applying for NASA positions. And anyone that knows government work knows that it takes forever for them to get back with you and all this stuff. <laughs> so I, I worked at the hospital, I think it was like six, seven months, something like that. And then I started applying and learning enough about the industry. I learned that a good portion of NASA was actually uh, contractors. So contractors, like 40% of the workforce, something like that. Um, so I looked at contractors, I looked at everything. And the only reason I knew this kind of stuff was because I've been sitting there creeping on people's LinkedIn profiles for the <laughs> last year and a half, looking at all these people. And I, I kind of found a route that some people took that was not a uh, intern route. You know, I've had to work full time. I started working at 15. I've had to always work. I had no, I didn't have an option to be able to like do an internship. I didn't have an option where I could live with my parents. I could do these things to be able to do an internship. The people that got that were very lucky and I, I'm, I'm jealous of the fact that they could, but I couldn't do that. 
So another route I saw that people were taking was a lot of people went through the contractor work and they worked directly for NASA as a contractor. So I did that. I got on and I worked for uh, Marshall, which is based in Huntsville, Alabama, which is a little bit north of where we're at here in Texas. I worked as a contractor for Marshall doing communications and social lead. And then when a position opened up at JC, which is Johnson Space Center, which is in my neck of the woods, I applied there. And I applied and waited six months before they even called me back to say wow. that they were going to even think about an interview. Um, and I got in this interview and it's a role I'm in now. I got in the interview and at the end of the interview, I asked them the question, hey, so um, what kind of time frame are you looking at to possibly move forward with this position? And I got that. He's like, well, you know, in another six months. And I went, whoa. <laughs> wow. Um, and luckily, though, they called me back within about a month and I was able to jump into it. So I have an untraditional path to where I'm at now. I've been all over the place. I've done everything else in between. And I've kind of created my own path getting here that I, no one else has kind of taken that I've seen. Um, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at now and how I've kind of got there. That is an absolutely brilliant story. Honestly, I'm going to transcribe this part of the podcast because that is brilliant. There's so much get up and go and determination and drive and you, you worked, you went back to university, you kept working, you, you reached out to people, you networked, literally everything we say on the podcast, right, Tom, you've done to get yourself to NASA. And it, that's incredible. You know, it, it's funny when I, when I can talk about it as a you know, holistically looking back on it, you know, I can look at it as a whole, but when you're in the middle of it, you don't see that, you know, mm. you, you're, you're in the middle of this and you think you're doing everything wrong because you've never seen anybody do it like this. You don't know what's going on and you're just trying to go the best you can. And then looking back on it, you're like, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't too bad. Okay. <laughs> so holistically, yeah, great. While you're in the mix of it, eh, it's a little rough, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. I love the fact you also say a little bit north of where you are now. That's literally our entire country in that <laughs> distance. But, um, now, now you're in NASA. What's some of the, like the stuff? I mean, it is an incredible company and doing some incredible things. And you've already mentioned some of the, the things you're you've been up to. But what's some of the stuff you being there and being a bit of a lover of um, that space world that's really just humbled you and you've gone wow, like wow. <laughs> You know, you know, working here, it's every single day, there's something that just blows me away. Um, the, the breadth of knowledge that these people work around with. Like I said, I, I connect with these people on LinkedIn every all over the place and harassed them until they would reply to an email and basically <laughs> ask them what they did and all this stuff. And then what blows me away every day is I walk through my office now and these people I've been staring at on the other side of a screen for a year and a half are sitting in the desk next to me. And I've worked with a lot of people. I've dealt with a lot of celebrities. I've done with a lot of things like that. And I've never really got like starstruck. Um, but suddenly I walk in the office and I'm sitting next to a guy that I've been emailing off and on for a year and a half. And he's been kind of just answering my questions and appeasing me. And suddenly I'm working alongside of him. And that blows me away every single day. And, and then the type of work we're doing now, there, there's different generations that work in the same office. We have, we have the generation that helped with Apollo and landed us on the moon the first time. Wow. We have the generation that worked on the shuttle missions, uh, you know, a couple decades ago and got everything set up for the ISS and the space stations. And then now we have this Artemis generation, which I'm kind of a part of and the other team are a part of. 
Um, and this Artemis generation is getting us back to the moon and helping with commercial space and doing all these amazing different things, these unique things that uh, the generations before had hoped would even happen. And now we're like, it's practical. We're doing it. We're making mm -hmm. it happen. And the idea of commercial space is amazing to us. And anybody that's on the outside of the world thinks we're all in competition. And that's not what it is at all. Everyone's working together. These people are awesome. They have great attitudes. Everyone's wanting this to happen. And that, that kind of world working with these different people, it blows me away every single day. And I'll get in there and they're so accommodating. You work with some of the smartest people literally in the world. Um, you get a little imposter syndrome when you're in there too, because you're like, am I, I don't think I'm supposed to be in this meeting. Am I supposed to be here? <laughs> like, am I supposed to be the guy that's like, I'll go clean the bathrooms. I'll do whatever needed. Right. Uh, but you get a little imposter syndrome. You're around these brilliant people who've been doing this. Some of them doing it for decades, but then other people like me who've gotten in the mix recently and they've only been doing this for, you know, a couple of years, maybe. Um, and we're all figuring out as we go. And, uh, you know, it blows me away every day still. What do you think are probably two skills that really help when working in public affairs and science communication? You know, for a, I, I've worked in a lot of manager roles and I've, I've moved up into different positions. And one thing that I've learned from anybody that's in charge or worked in these communication worlds, if, if you want to be a leader by default, to me, I find there's two things you got to do. Either you've got to be able to make decisions faster than everybody else. So a lot of what we do is decision making. Everyone's going to have these breadth of ideas. We're going to have all this different stuff. But if you can't make a decision, then there's no point in being there. Um, and these people, we've, you know, there's always that one guy at work that he's not necessarily in charge. He doesn't have that manager, director title, but you're going to go to him because he's going to be able to help you make a decision. Um, and working in this public affairs world, we deal with so many different forms of communication, different ways to communicate. If you can't make a decision quickly and effectively, you're going to fall behind real, real fast. Um, that, that's one of the ways. The second way that I've learned working in this world is you just got to know as much as you possibly can. Um, working in something as crazy as aerospace industry, that's kind of tough to do. But again, if you want to be a leader in somewhere, either you've got to be able to make decisions faster than everybody, or you got to know more than everybody. And if you do that, then people are going to come to you by default. They're going to have to come to you. Like they don't want to go to Michael over there, but like he knows how to do this. So let's go to him. We've always got that one crabby guy in the office that he's not in charge. Everyone's kind of, he's always kind of rough with everybody, but he knows more than everybody else. And he, you're always going to go to him when you need help. So for me, decision-making and the amount of knowledge you need, that, that's two things that will really help you no matter. And public affairs and communication, the science communications, yes, but also anywhere else in the world. And in a similar vein, what would be two uh, personality traits that you think are quite critical for your role? You know, the we talk about you know, when you're looking at careers, you think of hard skills. You think of like I can things that are titled, things that you put on a resume. Hard mm -hmm. skills are like I'm an accountant, I'm a marketer, I I can do X, Y, or Z. I can do graphic design. I can do these different things. But I think the thing that we don't utilize enough is uh, soft skills. Um, dealing with problems and problem solving um, is a big one. Weirdly enough, um, dealing with people and dealing with stressful situations, problem solving was something I actually learned a lot more working at Best Buy. You know, you deal with uh, you deal with upset people and you got to figure out how to solve this problem. And that's not something you can, you can put a problem solver in your resume, but that's kind of like a filler statement. Like people aren't going to take that seriously, but problem solving is a soft skill that you've got to be able to do quickly and effectively. Um, and then another thing you got to make sure is a big thing is emotional management. How can you manage your emotions in a very stressful high speed situation? 
um, emotions are once again, something I learned working at Best Buy. Uh, I had a manager that would tell me, don't react to your kryptonite. And it was things that he knew would set me off. And he says, don't react to your kryptonite. You have your kryptonite. You have your one thing that's going to set you off and, you know, get you out of focus, not going to be able to have a normal conversation. And it was don't react to your kryptonite, you know, have emotional stability when you're dealing with these stressful situations. Um, and that comes out in everything. I mean, when we're working at NASA here, we have deadlines. We have, um, when you think of the space station as a total, like as a holistic thing, it's it's very it's intense. Um, and when you deal with people, if you've ever dealt, I deal with astronauts on a weekly basis. I deal with these different people and the emotional maturity and the amount of, of the ability they have to be able to control their emotions in extremely stressful situations is something I, I try to emulate the best I can. You know, we're emotional creatures. Uh, we get angry, we get mad, you know, we get sad, we get things like that. But if you can control those emotions, um, that, that makes a huge, huge difference. And what for you would be the number one positive of working in public affairs and science communication? So number one, say it again. Uh, number one biggest positive to working in public affairs and science communication. Yeah, the, the best positive thing about that is the people I work with. Um, I've worked with a lot of great teams. I've worked with a lot of cool people, a lot of different things. But the, the team that I work with here now was like nothing else. And I, and I think it, has, it helps that we have a very specific goal in mind. You know, we have a goal that we can't really achieve in our lifetime, you know, and get into space and colonizing the moon, the Mars, and unlocking the secrets of the universe if you want to be grandiose about it. But we, we have a goal in mind and the team that's focused around that, this team is like nothing else. Like I would work with this team cleaning up trash on the side of the road. Like I would do anything with this team here. Um, just because the, these people will bend over backwards for you. You'll bend over backwards for them. You'll do it. You can call these people. I got an email yesterday. Uh, I woke up this morning, got on my computer and had an email from, from 2 AM from somebody that was working on a project. Cause he knew it just had to be done. Like <laughs> these guys will do whatever, you know, go above and beyond for you and inside and outside of work. The team is the best thing that I can talk about on top of like, yeah, we deal with cool stuff. We deal with space. We deal with all these things, but the team that, NASA has been able to acquire here is like nothing else. And on the uh, flip side of that, what would be maybe some of the less favorable aspects of um, the world you're working in? You know, working in public affairs, working in communications, the, the only having worked in marketing with hospitals and done marketing actually with Best Buy, I did a lot of marketing with them. <laughs> the only pain point for me that I find no matter where you go when you deal with communications um, even science communications, everything is the amount of different approvals you have to go through, the amount of people that have to have a say in everything you do. Um, you know, when you work in this, you want to be independent, you want to have your own thing. But realistically, it's, it's a whole team that does it. So but it goes up different all the way up to managers, directors, presidents, everybody has to have a say in what you do, especially when it's like public facing. When I worked at the hospital, we had created a lot of information. We had COVID communications, all these different things. Uh, when you're doing this, everybody wants to make sure that it looks good, make sure you have the right information. So the amount of approval processes when you work in this kind of world uh, is, is a pain point for me. And because also, like, say I want to have something out specifically in December of this year, I've got to have it done within the next month or two because it has to go through so many different people sometimes, depending on what it, what, where it's going. Um, it has to go through so many people that you it just moves slow. Um, and then some spaces like it, you've got to have, you've got to plan things out way, way in advance. You can't be as spontaneous as you would like to. 
Um, and then, there, you know, there's opposite ways. There's always days where like, we need to put this out tomorrow. Um, let's go. And then everybody's in full blast going and, you know, we're running back and forth and get a little chaotic, but the amount of approvals that people you have to go through the all different things like that can be a pain point sometimes. If somebody's listening to this now and they're thinking, you know, what? I'd absolutely love to work in public affairs or communication, science communication, what's something they can do, whether it be for their CV or for LinkedIn or something, something they can do to make themselves stand out more to maybe future employers. You know, there, there's a lot you can do. Um, like I said, for me, I went through LinkedIn and I looked for everything, everything that everybody else is doing. I mean, that, that's for me, that's the thing I went through and I even looked at, I looked at Apple, I looked at Google, I looked at all these like big names that you would recognize. And I connected with everybody I possibly could. I did all these different things. And when I was applying, when I was applying for different positions out in the world, um, anytime I didn't get a call back, anytime I didn't get a interview or I did get an interview and I didn't get the position, I would try to email them and ask them for feedback. Um, and one out of maybe five people would respond. And then out of those, that one, I mean, you'd get another one out of those five that would actually give you feedback. Um, but trying to get feedback and trying to get raw feedback and because you can ask your friends and family all you want sometimes and they're going to like, they're going to sugarcoat a little bit, but you need to have people in the industry looking at your stuff. Um, LinkedIn is the best way to do it, finding out stuff, finding skills. And for me, it's, I have so many weird random hobbies that have nothing to do with anything. Uh, I, I love looking, I got a microscope for Christmas. I go through, I got a high powered <laughs> microscope. I've done 3D printing, photography, um, podcasting world. I wanted to learn how to do podcasting. So I taught myself all this different stuff, figured out how they, how you, how you record, how you go through all this. Like I learned a bunch of random things that have helped me cut through, uh, through my kind of career search and helped me build connections with people in different ways. Um, I did photography and stuff for a long time. Through photography, I actually met somebody who worked for a newspaper and needed a photographer. That uh, Working for that newspaper helped me meet connections in the corporate world and marketing and communications. Working from there helped me build my resume out and do all these different things. Um, I, I have 3D printer that I love to print and build stuff off of. Doing that has helped me. I've got on forums and asked people for help and I've got to build out these connections. And at NASA, we have a massive 3D printers and these different things. And now I have a connection with people there, like build out skills that you don't necessarily see an end for sometimes. Mm. Um, and then just pursue them, build out everything, learn everything you can, do all these things that you possibly can. Um, the, the only thing I will say as a caveat to that, I, I cannot stand, I don't know if that's the right word. I, I, I don't like uh, hustle culture. I hate hustle culture. And if you, anybody that's been in, in has Facebook for the last year, understands hustle culture, or <laughs> if you've been on Instagram anywhere, it's these guys that are on here talking about working 24 seven. Yeah. It's so know, healthy, isn't it? No, I, you know, crypto, NFTs, all yeah. these different things. These guys are hustling. Don't get caught up in that. You know, for me, the biggest thing is the fundamentals. The fundamentals matter. You know, get up early, exercise, drink your water, eat right, work hard for eight hours, enjoy your weekend, spend time with family. And it adds up. These people that want these like quick things, it doesn't work. Um, I had to work full time while going to school full time for four years before it paid off. Like the long, the long stuff is what matters. And that stuff adds up over time. So if you're trying to build out your resume, 
start learning new skills, connect with people, learn things that have to do with the industry on the fringes sometimes, because that'll be the best way to get in. Like photography doesn't necessarily align specifically with science communication, but it aligns with that world. And that's what helped me get into it. Um, you know, learning how to write. Writing is a massive thing that you need no matter where you go. If you're a good writer, you can do amazing work, especially in science communication. You can do some amazing stuff. You just got to learn how to write. You got to learn how to do this stuff, write properly, and write clearly and concisely. Um, read a lot. Do what you can. And uh, would you still go into this industry knowing everything you know now? Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely, I would. And I, I, I've always wanted to be here. I just wish I knew that this was even an option for me when I was real young. Like I said, everyone, when you think of NASA, you don't think of the guy behind a computer writing that feature story that you read uh, on Facebook. Or, you know, you don't think of all that. You think of the guy building a rocket. So I didn't know that this was even an option for me. So I would still pursue it and, and go this route 100%. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Michael. It's been a genuine pleasure to hear all about your story and how you got to where you are. Um, I think you've got probably one of the coolest jobs out there. So thank you for your time. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks again for letting me come on. Uh, thank you, Michael. Uh, where can people find you, uh, see what you're up to, um, see maybe what you're posting um, and what's going on at NASA? Yeah, um, so I've got my Twitter. It's SpaceMikeHTX, um, and that's, you know, I just post on there randomly. I, I'm really more active on my uh, probably Instagram, which is MichaelFHTX. So I post a lot, I post a lot in there, like my everyday stuff, like walking around on center and doing things like that. So maybe the best way, if you guys want to follow along or on LinkedIn, find me, like I said, I love LinkedIn message me. I don't mind at all. Um, you guys can find me on there. It's just Michael Flores. You'll find the NASA guy on there. Brilliant. Thank you again, Michael. Thanks guys.